All right, Laker fans, thank you very much for tuning in. Another uh, fantastic open from Mario Ruiz. We go till 8 o'clock tonight talking Los Angeles Lakers basketball. Always appreciate everybody tuning in. Um, got a lot to get into. We are officially at the halfway point of the Los Angeles Lakers season. So we're 41 games in, 41 games left to go. Um, I, I want to talk about the first half of the season I want to talk about expectations for the second half of the season. AD getting closer to uh, ramping up his workout, so hopefully a comeback coming soon. What that means for the Lake Show. Have an interesting uh, week with uh, LeBron James and some of his comments that he made to Sam Amick of The Athletic. Certainly have some thoughts on that. And uh, and what do you think of where the Lakers are right now? Do you think they should make a move? Or are you... Um, or would you rather just kind of keep the team as is and say you're building some momentum, you're gaining some chemistry, why would you start over if you go out and make a move? So we'll do all that. Um, and then Jovan Buha, the athletic, is going to take some time to join us as well. Okay, let's get started on this. 41 games in, Laker fans. 41 games in. Lakers in at 19-22 and 22 on the year so far. Um, you know, for me personally, it's – it's really interesting to look at this Lakers season so far. So let me let me just kind of reflect a little bit on the first 41 games, and then I'll tell you what my expectations are moving forward. I, I look at this season, and I feel like there's been already three seasons within just half this season so far for the Lakers. You start out the season with Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis. The Lakers obviously, um, I don't know how active they were, but there was a lot of question marks about Russ, and if you want to bring him back, you got a brand-new head coach in Darvin Ham, and it seemed like if you were going to move Russ, the asking price was just too much for the Lakers, and they didn't want to give up a couple um, couple first-round picks, really the only first-round picks they have coming up in the near future, and that's five to seven years from now, and the Lakers were in a position where that was not of interest, and they were going to start out the season and kind of just see how things go. Maybe they make a move down the road, maybe they don't. Okay. Five games go by, the Lakers are 0-5. You're like, geez, when are the Lakers going to get their first victory? Is the season going to look exactly like it did last year? Lakers finally win a game. They win two games in a row. And then they lose five more games in a row. And before you even freaking blink, the Lakers are off to a 2-10 and start to start the season. So obviously nothing was ideal for the Lakers. Nothing was ideal right out the gate for the Lake Show. What kind of team can you possibly assemble when you start two and ten? You got a brand new head coach. Um, the Russ situation doesn't seem like it's it's figured itself out. Impossible that the Lakers recover from this, right? Uh, wrong. They, they do start to recover, and they go on, you know, a, a streak where they win eight of ten games. And Anthony Davis is playing as good as basketball as anybody in the NBA. And then all of a sudden. The Lakers are finding themselves winning games at Milwaukee, really competitive against good teams, even though you know I'd argue that they should have beat a couple of those teams that they played, Philly, Boston, but they're in it. The, the games are good, and it's certainly competitive. Okay, then Anthony Davis goes down with an injury. AD goes down with an injury, and no one really has any idea how severe the injury is. Nobody really has any idea of if Anthony Davis is going to be out for a significant amount of time, or, you know what, maybe he'll be okay, maybe he dodged one, and we finally got some information on that a couple weeks ago. Sounds like he dodged one, but Anthony Davis has missed 
14 straight games for the Lakers. And even if he comes back, let's say, in a couple of weeks, that means he's going to miss another six, seven, eight games or so. To be honest with you, missing a quarter of the season is a pretty significant injury. So I think we'll leave the AD thing on the side. But you think once that Anthony Davis is out, you kind of start going back to, all right, you know what, is this like last year? Is it like the year before? Um, and, and that wasn't the case. Lakers have gone 8-6 and six without Anthony Davis. They find themselves at 19-22 and 22 right now. And I know they're out of the playing tournament, but they are in the mix. The number six seed right now is the Los Angeles Clippers. They're 21-21. and 21. Lakers are 19-22. and 22. They're only a game and a half out of the six seed. They are one game out of number 10, which is where the Portland Trailblazers are. But really, more than anything else, it just kind of shows how congested the entire Western Conference is, how there's no real team in the West that you're looking at and saying, well, watch out, because this team is just going to dominate come playoff time. I think it really actually means that there's a number of teams that could be in the mix, and the Lakers being one of those. So the, the first chapter of the first half of the season for the Lakers had a lot of ups and downs had moments where I thought, geez, this is, it's just like last year. They're going to be nowhere near the playoffs when they started out two and 10 or when Anthony Davis got injured. But as the dust has settled here and Lakers lost last night, of course, against Denver, LeBron didn't play in that one either. I'm actually all right with where the Lakers are sitting. 19 and 22 is not the end of the world for me for the Lakers right now. It's actually not the end of the world at all right now for the Lakers. Um, I think it's just the beginning. Now, if you're out there and you're driving around or you're listening on the ESPN LA app and you're kind of telling yourself, Al, they're 19 and 22, don't make it sound like they're number two in the Western Conference. I'm not trying to make it sound like that. But what I'm trying to say and you know why I'm optimistic looking forward about the Lakers uh, for the rest of the season, I do think Darvin Ham is the right coach for this team. I do think they're establishing an identity where every single night, the squad's going to fight. And whether that's your number 12 player, uh, Wenyan Gabriel, or your top player, LeBron and Anthony Davis, these dudes are going to fight for 48 minutes, and then they're going to live with the results. Whatever happens, happens. But um, that, to me, is one of the most important things, is do you have an identity? Do you know what this team is? Eventually, I think the Lakers are going to get healthy. LeBron James, you, you can't really just look at him and say to yourself, hey, can LeBron James be 28-7-6 every night or 29? I'm going to actually just look at this because I, I, I do think um, what Bron has obviously done by the time he's 38 years old, he's 29-8 and 6.7 assists per game. So the reason why I have some optimism is hopefully there's going to come a time in the year where LeBron James doesn't have to have numbers like this on a night-in, night-out basis. It's not a luxury having LeBron put up 29, 8, and almost 7 a game. It's a necessity. And Bron is also playing big-time minutes. We know that. Uh, and, and, you know, that's also, what is he averaging? 36 minutes a game right now at age 38. That's not ideal. I don't think anybody was hoping that he would obviously have numbers like that at this stage. Um, but it's been uh, a necessity because Anthony Davis hasn't been there. If if Anthony Davis comes back in the next couple of weeks, which is that is the hope, if you can get Austin Reeves back and Lonnie Walker and some of these other guys who 
um, have already been out for close to a week. They're going to get reevaluated. I want to say a week from tomorrow. I think it is maybe Thursday. Um, there's still obviously some time, and, and the Lakers got to get healthy. But I don't think you could tell me right now as a Laker fan that you're tuning in, whether you're watching on TV, you're tuning into us on 710, that you're watching this team or listening to this team and saying to yourself, yeah, I don't like the product. Yeah, I don't like where the Lakers are going. Yeah, I don't like what they're doing. I really don't feel like that's been the case over the last month or so. And I got to imagine as we get to the second half of the season, health is obviously going to be the biggest thing, the most important thing for the Lakers moving forward. That's kind of all that matters, to be honest with you. And if they could get some health, if there are some things that you know can certainly go their way um, uh, in the second half of the season where they get back the core of their players, I think they are incredibly difficult out, period. Every single night, I think they're going to be a tough out and then get to the postseason. That's obviously a completely different story. Um, that is kind of my assessment here of the first 41 games and what I'm expecting from the Lakers moving forward. I expect the Lakers to be competitive every night in that second half of the schedule if their roster is healthy. If they're not healthy, then it's a completely different story, but you could say that about 10 different teams in the East and the West, whether they're healthy or they're not, of whether they can actually, actually do some damage. Uh, I, I expect in the second half of the year, I expect the Lakers to be competitive, to win a lot more games than they lose, and make a playoff push. And I also expect that front office, by the time February 9th gets here, that they are doing everything they possibly can to either improve the roster or to just say to themselves that there's nothing else that we could do that's fair to our franchise long-term or short-term and do what they feel is necessary. Um, quick shout-out here, Valvoline Instant Oil Change. Greatly appreciate their partnership here on Lakers Talk. Visit SoCalOilChange.com for location and game-winning coupons off your next Valvoline Instant Oil Change literally locations all around Southern California. You got a problem with your car, needs to get serviced, go to SoCalOilChange.com. Um, okay. Speaking of which, which is probably the most important story around the Lakers, it, to me it has less to do with the trade deadline. It has less to do with what player they should go out and try to get. It has less to do with Russ. It has less to do with anybody else. The most important news for the Lakers came out a couple days ago when Dave McMenamin wrote a great piece on ESPN.com um, talking about Anthony Davis beginning the ramp-up process to return to play when the team returns to L.A. this week. Well, the team got back last night, or as John told me earlier today, I think they got 3 a.m. in the morning, 2 a.m. in the morning, whatever time they got back from Denver. Um, the most important news around the Lakers right now is Where's AD, and when do you think he could come back? So I'm going to read a little bit of this article. And again, this is uh, such a critical piece here. There is optimism within the Lakers that the ramp-up process could take only a couple of weeks before Anthony Davis could start penciling in a potential return to game action. Um, there's a lot to kind of take away from this, and there's a lot that I'm going to... Um, linked together coming up next year. I want to talk about Anthony Davis and you know when we could hopefully expect him back, how many games he'll probably still miss if it's based off of the info that, um, that uh, Dave McMenamin gave. And 
some of that chatter about trade, some of that chatter about what the Lakers um, could potentially go out there and do, why all of that is secondary to Anthony Davis. We'll do all that coming up next. If you want to hit me on Twitter and you want to give me your thoughts on the Lakers' first half of the season, what your expectations are on the second half of the season, at Alan Sliwa on Twitter. You could also hit me on Instagram. Stay right here. This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. All right, thank you for being a part of the show. As always, um, you can catch the full Lakers Talk podcast. I don't know if you guys have downloaded the ESPN LA app, but it's such a great way to uh, listen to us. And if you do, got that channel there for uh, Lakers Talk, plus all the uh, the shows, and you can catch it anytime if you miss it live. Um, I-, I mentioned this, that, oh, by the way, Jovan Buha coming up in about 10 minutes or so, 12 minutes or so. Um, I mentioned this, that, and I'm going to, kind of continue to go off uh, the Anthony Davis progress here. There is optimism. This is coming from uh, Dave McMenamin. There's optimism within the Lakers that the ramp-up process could take only a couple of weeks before Anthony Davis could start penciling in a potential return to game action, sources tell ESPN. Um, Look, I I know uh, if you know... Laker fans are very knowledgeable about what the Lakers are doing, where they're going, if they feel comfortable about where the team is, individual players, how they're doing. I don't have to tell Laker fans that. I'm not saying that that February 9th trade deadline can't be important. I'm not saying that the Lakers can't improve in different areas. What I'm telling you is that literally nothing else matters other than Anthony Davis coming back and coming back healthy and how soon potentially Anthony Davis can come back. And I don't have the answer to that, just kind of going off of what uh, Dave McMenamin saying right here, and I got the Lakers schedule up in front of me. Um, they're 19-22 and 22 right now. Their next game is coming up on uh, Thursday, so Lakers taking on the Dallas Mavericks. Kind of a light week this week for the Lakers. They play Monday, they play Thursday, and then they don't play again until Sunday. And then next week it's... I want to say five games in eight nights. It might even be seven games in like 10 nights or 11 nights. So they're going to have a, a ton of games kind of stacked in over the next couple of weeks. If Anthony Davis were to come back in two weeks, that means AD would miss one. They'd miss Dallas, Philadelphia, Houston, Sacramento, Memphis, Portland, Clippers, and San Antonio. So that's eight more games if he came back in two weeks from tomorrow, and I'm just going to give them a little bit of extra time. That means January 28th, the Lakers will be playing the Boston Celtics, and he'd come back towards the end of the month. So that means he'd have missed. He already missed 14 plus eight. You're talking about 22 games. Well, that's over 25% of the season for this latest injury. And I bring that up because... I actually really think not having Anthony Davis right now has been fascinating. Who would have thought the Lakers can play better than 500 basketball without AD? Who would have thought Thomas Bryant was going to come in out of nowhere and put up basically a double-double every single night for the Lakers, um, pretty much doing what you know nobody thought he can do as Lakers went on a five-game winning streak, which they hadn't had in, it seemed like, forever. There's a quote here. LeBron had this after one of the games. I've already kind of had visions of what that could possibly look like with the front court of myself, AD, Thomas Bryant on the floor together. 
I think it could be extremely beneficial for our ball, ball club. AD went out. I thought the world was over. Has not been the case so far. Still got to, you know, try to stack up as many wins as you can just based on the position that the Lakers are in. And starting out 2-10, and 10, like we, we've talked about plenty of different times before. However, there's been some positives that I think have come out of it. I, I, I love what Thomas Bryant's done. I love what Dennis Schroeder has kind of found his way in, found himself in a position where he has to score. He's got to go try to get buckets. Russ seems like he's got a real role with the Lakers. LeBron doesn't seem like he's slowed down. He plays like he's 28 rather than 38. Do I think playing without AD is sustainable? No. But I think the um, the necessity of keeping your head above water has helped the Lakers, and I think it's kind of helped them grow some character and um, have this kind of feistiness that I haven't really associated to Lakers basketball over the last couple of years. Uh, but eventually AD's got to get back. When he does, that's going to be so critical for the franchise. I was reading an article uh, earlier today, and this is now how I'm going to kind of transition to what the Lakers should do come February 9th. Look, I- I'm all for the Lakers improving the roster. I'm all for it. But I'm, I'm going to kind of get in the weeds a little bit on this one, and that's kind of the beauty of Lakers talk. I have the ability to do that. Um, of course, you want to try to improve the roster. Of course, you want to look at this roster today and say, LeBron, Anthony Davis, you got to get these guys another playoff run. You have to. By the way, I'm a firm believer in that. This front office, their responsibility, in my opinion, is one thing this season. You have to make sure LeBron James and Anthony Davis get another playoff run. You just have to make sure. The West is not, nobody's running away with the Western Conference right now. I mean, I I go look at those NBA standings, and I get it. Denver's got the best record in the West. They're 27 and 13. Lakers played the Denver, played the Nuggets already four times this year. They went two and two. Um, are the Pelicans a team that you say to yourself, oh my gosh, you know, if they're in the playoffs, I'm so scared to play them. No, they just don't have playoff experience. They don't have championship experience. They haven't been to the playoffs. Most of those guys have never been to the playoffs on that team. Does Dallas scare you? Because they certainly don't scare me. Um, are Can you rely on the Sacramento Kings? Of course not. They gave up 136 points to the Lakers, and Anthony Davis wasn't there. Uh, the Clippers, I don't know what the Clippers are. I know they've lost six games in a row, and they seem like a team that's all over the place, um, completely inconsistent, don't play the guys uh, for the most part, don't play Kawhi and Paul George. I don't trust the, uh, the, the, the Los Angeles Clippers. The Phoenix Suns seems like they have everybody injured, and they've lost six games in a row. The only team I look at in the Western Conference, maybe two teams I look at in the Western Conference, that I say, that's a problem. I look at the Golden State Warriors because they've been there, they've done that. And I look at the Memphis Grizzlies as a team that they don't give a you-know-what. And I think that plays to their advantage. And they have been in the playoffs before. I think they're currently on a seven-game winning streak right now. And they have true star power. And they have guys that, they're an interesting style of basketball. And I, frankly, I don't mind it. I kind of like um a lot of people don't like their cockiness. They say they're way too cocky. What have they accomplished? I think that's part of their identity and what makes them what makes them think they're better than they might be, but sometimes you got to believe in stuff and 
whether it's true or not, if you believe in believe in it enough, it probably becomes true. So the only reason why I set all that up is I think the West is wide open with a couple caveats. And I get where the front office is coming from. The front office is coming from a perspective. Look, we're not going to go get fleeced in a trade. We're not going to go trade away two number ones to go get Buddy Heald and Miles Turner. And if they don't feel that that is worth it and it makes sense for today and it makes sense for tomorrow and it makes sense for three years and five years and seven years down the road, I'm okay with that front office making that decision with one caveat. you got to make the playoffs this year. You just have to. I mean, what's the point of having LeBron James and Anthony Davis? And it's not Rob Palenka's fault that Anthony Davis got injured again. And it's not LeBron James' fault that, you know, players are in and out of the lineup. I'm not making excuses there. But I really, truly believe you got to give these guys another chance. you got to give them another run. Because I do think there's opportunity in the Western Conference. And I actually do think this team is good enough to where they could be interesting in the playoffs. Now, we got a long way to go. Um, the the in-the-weed stuff that I'm talking about is the market is very interesting right now in the NBA when it comes to the NBA trade deadline, when it comes to players. There are let, – let, listen to this here real quick. There are only two teams that I could tell you right now in the entire Western Conference that I know are not going to make the playing tournament. Okay, It's the San Antonio Spurs and it's the Houston Rockets. That's it. Everybody else in the Western, there's 13 other teams right now that think they got a shot of making the playing tournament, whether that's the Thunder, whether that's the Lakers, whether that's the Jazz, the Blazers, the Timberwolves, the Suns, the Warriors, the Clippers, the Kings. Go down the list in the Western Conference of who, um, you know, who's obviously in the mix here and who's competing. Why that's important is because there aren't that many teams selling right now. You know, it, Typically in business, it's supply and demand. Either you got too much supply or you got too much demand, and or sometimes it's perfectly in the middle where the price point that you're getting, whatever you're getting at, is just right. The problem right now in the NBA, there aren't that many players available. Teams are not selling off and saying, guys, we don't have a shot. Let's get out of here. I just told you 13 of the 15 teams in the Western Conference think they got a shot at the playing tournament. The Lakers are 19 and 22. Oklahoma City is behind them at 18 and 22. There's 13 teams that got a shot. So the challenge the Lakers have, I'm sure they want to go out and get another shooter. I've said this 50 times. I'm a big fan of Bogdanovich of the Detroit Pistons. But if the asking price is just way too high because there are no other players that are really available right now in the market, well, it is the front office's responsibility to say, guys, this just is not a responsible deal. It's our job to make responsible deals. I'm okay with that. You know, I, I keep seeing names. Cam Reddish is another name that I saw um, recently. Um, there are names that are out there, and there are players that are out there. Of course, we've always heard. I saw this was earlier this week. Uh, Miles Turner, Jordan Clarkson, both of those guys. It looks like. Um, it looks like uh, uh, the Pacers will not be signing it, or at least um, for Miles Turner, he won't be sign- signing an extension. That's just more financially uh, driven. He thinks he can get a you know much more lucrative deal once the season's over, which go get your money. But I, I mention that because we're so quick to – Lakers make a trade. Yeah, but the trade's got to make sense. 
And, you know, for the Lakers, there's a couple factors that come into play. And one of those factors are how much do you have to give in order to go make a move? Does it make sense for you long-term, short-term? That is the job of the front office to make sure that it makes sense. We all saw this article from Sam Amick that came out of The Athletic. I'm going to ask Jovan about that when he joins in a few minutes. LeBron James to The Athletic on the Lakers roster plans. This was a few days ago. Y'all know what the F should be happening. Most here on his waning, uh, more here on his waning patience, how his greatness is forcing this conversation and why he deserves more help. That's Sam Amick's piece. And LeBron responded on Twitter. Hey, Sam, actually, my patience isn't waning. You make it sound like I'm frustrated, frustrated when I'm really not. I told you over and over, my job is focused on the guys in the locker room. My job isn't the roster. That's the reality of that conversation. And I said what I said with the utmost respect and calmness because that's the mood I'm in. You're welcome. Five-game winning streak. This is before the Lakers lost to the Denver Nuggets. I would love to see the Lakers go make a move, but I understand the position that the front office is in, that they have to, uh, we still got one month left before the NBA trade deadline, and maybe the asking price comes down on some of these players. Maybe it's better, everything looks better in a couple weeks. Maybe other teams start deciding, guys, why are we trying to make the playoffs? Let's sell. The Lakers are obviously not in that position. They got to make the playoffs. It's imperative that they make the playoffs. That, that I'm not budging on, and you know, if if it forces the Lakers to have to make a deal because they need to make the playoffs and go make a deal, I got to see LeBron James and Anthony Davis in a playoff run. That's my own personal opinion there, but I also think that's you know part of the responsibility of the front office that if you got LeBron and AD on your team, you got to make the postseason. Yovan Buha coming up next. Stay right here. Thank you for being a part of the show. This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. All right, welcome back to uh, Lakers Talk. Jovan Buha covers the Lakers for The Athletic. Nice enough to make some time for us here. Uh, Jovan, thank you, buddy. Appreciate you uh, joining the show. How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. Just got back from Denver. Uh, wasn't, wasn't the best game, uh, but it, you know, n- nice to be on the road. Um, and, uh, yeah, looking forward to the, this five-game homestand coming up. Well, I, I, let, me, let me start there because, obviously, after the Denver Nuggets game, um, we reached the halfway point of the season. So we're 41 mm-hmm. games into the season. Before I get into what you expect in the back half of the schedule, just can you give me your overall thoughts, what you thought of the first 41 games, uh, where the Lakers are sitting right now, if, if, you, if you're optimistic or if uh, you have a lot of concerns. But what did you think of uh, the first half of the season? Yeah, well, I, I think I, I've swayed back and forth so many different times. Um, I mean, it feels like in some ways a little bit of a continuation of, of last year where you, you saw the potential at times, but they weren't just you know quite able to put it together consistently. Uh, but I'm trending optimistic right now. You know, I, I think the way that this team, uh, you know, they're, they're seven and six since Anthony Davis went down. Uh, and, you know, one of those losses, of course, uh, you know, last night in Denver, no LeBron, no AD, no Lonnie, no Austin, no Troy, no Pat in the second half. So, like, I mean, I think if you kind of knew the amount of games that LeBron and AD were going to miss up to this point and then looking at how important guys like Lonnie and Austin would be and, and how many games those guys have missed and, and just think about the, the rough start to the season and, you know, not having uh, Thomas and, and Dennis for the, those first 13 games uh, that they missed and, and how important those guys are. I mean, those guys are argu- arguably been – the third and fourth best Lakers over the past month or so. So 
I think overall you're starting to see a group that, um, you know, I think that there's seven or eight guys that can definitely be in a postseason rotation and, and mix. And, um, you know, I, I think it's, it's maybe not the seven or eight guys we, we necessarily anticipated heading into the season. But, uh, again, you kind of look at LeBron and AD and Dennis and Thomas and Austin and Lonnie and uh, maybe, maybe, you know, Russ and uh, Troy. And, like, you, you kind of have the, the outline of a, a postseason rotation. I, I think the biggest question is going to be, obviously, if, if they end up making a move and whether or not they should make a move at, at this point. Uh, in kind of 80s health, but um, I will say, you know, I, I think the, the 80 injury could have sunk the season. And uh, if anything, I think it's we, we've seen some of the best Lakers basketball yet. So, um, you know, I think it, it brought out more from LeBron and brought out more from from Thomas. And um, I, I think if if the Lakers can kind of find a way to get everybody clicking at the same time um, and, and you know get into the play and mix, they are going to be one of the more dangerous lower seed teams. Yeah, well, what does that mean to to kind of play this out both ways, they're like you said that Lakers probably are playing as good as basketball they've had all season, and, and they went through a stretch here um, where they're winning some tough games. And I think we, we are saying that because Anthony Davis is not there, so you're not expecting it. But they have won some games, mm-hmm. and I'll count that Denver win, even though AD got injured in that game and wasn't there for the second half. Let's say they're eight and six in those fourteen mm-hmm. games that he's been out. Are, are you? If you start building some chemistry and you kind of know what your role is and some of these guys are getting more confident and comfortable and then one of the best players in the NBA comes back, are you of the belief that, hey, if this is kind of working, then why mess with it? Or are you on the other side of it that, no, 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 they they don't have enough. They should make a move and, and those picks, yes, are valuable, but it's more important to make a move. Um, I, I think it's, I'm of the, the latter mindset. Um, you know, I, I think it's a little bit of fool's gold to, to trick yourself into um, thinking that, that some of this is sustainable. I mean, I, I think the one thing that, that you know, the, the, the kind of caveat that needs to be added to all this is like their schedule over the past few weeks has been relatively easy. If, if you look at, um, you know, that was the first thing I wrote when, when Anthony Davis went down was like, depending on the severity of his injury and, and depending on how long he's out, I actually think they can kind of, you know, survive around 500 or so with him out. And I think they've exceeded expectations, obviously, as you just laid out with the eight and six record. But, um, you know, I still think at the end of the day, uh, you know, looking at the, the wing depth on this team, um, you know, I, I think I've been really impressed with, with Max Christie. I thought he had a good game last night in Denver. Um, you know, the, the Lakers have been raving about him all season and he, he's really earned the, the trust and the confidence of his teammates. But, uh, you know, aside from like him and, and Troy Brown, they really don't have wing size guys who can shoot the ball uh, on this team right now. So, um, you know, I think if, if you look at the guys that they would be moving in a potential trade, uh, you know, be it Russell Westbrook, Patrick Beverly, Kendrick Nunn, like we've seen them be able to have success without those guys. You know, Kendrick Nunn has, has basically not been a, a part of the rotation for most of the season. Uh, Patrick Beverly's obviously started, but there's been a lot of games he hasn't closed and until recently was not shooting the ball well. Uh, you know, Russ, I, I think, has obviously played well off the bench, but there's also been a lot of games that he hasn't closed and, and they've been able to succeed in crunch time without him. So, like, while I think Russ has definitely been the best of those three and, and the most important, I don't think any of those guys are indispensable to uh, how good, you know, I, I'm looking at Thomas and Dennis and Lonnie and Austin, and like those guys I, I think are at a different level in terms of 
their two-way importance uh, on this roster. So I, I think if you can keep LeBron and, and AD and you know several of those high-level role players that have played really well recently, and then add in you know a wing shooter or or another big that uh, you know complements AD and Thomas well, like that's the type of move to me that elevates this team because I think the West is for the there for the taking, right? Like no yeah. one in the West. Aside from from you know maybe Golden State if they get healthy and um, you know they, they have the championship pedigree that they, they have that continuity with their core and you know kind of reminds me of you know the the uh, you know Shaq and Kobe Lakers kind of late like like that 0304 season where they, they didn't even have that great of a record but but they still made the finals just because they you know they, they played together so long so good so like Golden State is probably still the favorite in the West even with their you know 2020 record. But, I mean, looking at Denver, I mean, the Lakers have matched up really well with Denver. Even even last night, um, you know, had some competitive moments despite missing basically half the rotation. Uh, you, you know, and then kind of looking at, like, Phoenix, uh, you know, Memphis, New Orleans, th- those teams are young. Like, I just think the, the West is still there for the taking. And if the Lakers can make an upgrade that, you know, substantially increases the talent of this roster, I still think you got to do it. And I still think that that's a move that could catapult you into potentially making a deep playoff run. Yovan, how, how tough is it right now? How tough is the market right now in the NBA? You you know, we're talking about, and I think this is a perfect example, you say the West is kind of up for grabs. There are 13 teams right now that probably think in the Western Conference they got a shot at making the playoffs. So there are not a lot of teams, I think at least at this stage, that could change in a couple of weeks, certainly can change by the time February 9th comes, but there aren't a lot of teams that think um, they have no shot of making the postseason and it doesn't feel like there's a lot of sellers out there. It doesn't feel like there's, wow, hey, there's so many different players that you can go trade for. How difficult do you think that portion is for the front office that they feel like, hey, if we go out and make a deal, this is not an apples-to-apples deal. We're going to walk away feeling we got the, I don't know if the, the, the short end of the stick is the right way of putting it. And listen, I also understand there's no guarantee in any draft pick that you have, so it's not like you know we're going to find out tomorrow who won that trade. But because there are so many teams in the mix and there is this parity, how much do you think that has affected what's going on? Uh, it's definitely, I think that's the, the biggest factor right now is, is just that there aren't many sellers. And if you look at the teams that are willing to sell, um, you know, there, there just isn't, like, aside from, from maybe Boyan Bogdanovich, uh, who, you know, can be had in Detroit, but that right now they're, they're, you know, they're asking for an arm and a leg. Like, aside from that, you know, is a guy like Eric Gordon – really moving the needle, you know, and he's played some small forward in Houston, but he's six foot three. And I don't think really, you know, can, can it help the Lakers with, with some, some shooting and, and um, some offensive firepower, but like, I don't think really addresses what, what they truly need. Um, so I think right, you know, between now and, and February 9th, it's really going to come down to, you know, is there, does a team suffer an injury? Does a team go through a losing streak or, or a skid that makes them reevaluate their future I'm looking more in the East. I think Chicago, Washington, and Toronto are, are the three teams I'm looking at of, you know, do those t- three teams pivot and instead of trying to make the play-in tournament or, or be a low-end playoff team, do one of those three just say, hey, we're going to have a fire sale. Um, you know, Chicago, Zach Levine, and, and DeMar DeRozan are available. Uh, Toronto, Gary Trent Jr., Fred Van Vliet, uh, you know, they're available. Uh, Washington, Kyle Kuzma is available or even a Bradley Beal in, you know, a blockbuster type deal. Um, like th- those are the kind of the three teams that are constantly being floated out there that I think are going to be really interesting to see which direction they go. But, but certainly right now that there's only a handful of teams that are interested in selling 
And if you really look at their rosters, um, it's it's trending more young guys and more guys that I don't think kind of fit the, the Lakers timeline and or the, the Lakers skill set that they're they're coveting right now. So that's going to be the biggest thing is just who ends up pivoting. It's probably going to end up being you know late January, early February when you have a clear you know a, a kind of picture of, of more clarity. Who those teams are. So yeah, so I, I just think for the Lakers right now, realistically, it's it's just kind of waiting out these next two three weeks. Hopefully AD comes back. They, they can get him back healthy. Uh, he, he passes the check marks he has to pass to, to return to action. And then, you know, they, they make a move in that final week uh, leading up in, into the trade deadline and have a better understanding of, of who's available and who's not. Um, Jovan Buha, the athletic, covers the Lakers for the athletic, does a fantastic job joining Lakers talk right now. Jovan, let, let's just say this team right now is healthy. It's LeBron James. Mm-hmm. He's back in the lineup. Um, Anthony Davis back in the lineup, and then each one of these players that have got Austin Reeves, Lonnie Walker, Troy Brown Jr. to go through the list. Um, what is that team? That that team in the Western Conference, if if the Lakers were not able to make a move, and this is the roster that they have, but they're healthy, can mm-hmm. what what are the limitations of that team in the playoffs? Do you think they can make some noise, or do you think just naturally as great as LeBron and Anthony Davis are and some of those other players that they just don't have enough to really make noise. Yeah. I mean, I think it depends on, on what you qualify as noise. Like could that team, uh, you know, make, make the playoffs and then maybe win around or, or have a, a really competitive first round series. Like, I think so. Uh, I think we, we've already seen, like, it's just, I mean, I, mean, I think at, at full strength, the Lakers have two top 10 players and, and how many, teams can can say that right now I, I really think like you're hard pressed to find two guys you know a, a duo right now at, at the level of LeBron and AD like you just kind of going down the list like Luca doesn't have a second star you know Giannis doesn't have someone uh, on AD or LeBron's level uh you know Embiid and, and Harden aren't on that level uh, Tatum and Brown is, is maybe the closest but I still would take LeBron and AD over them uh you know Steph doesn't have that that second guy on, on the same level so like you just kind of go down the list and it's like the, the Lakers for, for all the depth concerns and, and the roster limitations with, with the shooting and, and the perimeter size, like they still have two top 10 guys. And, and that's kind of all you wanted to see was could LeBron sustain that in year 20? Could AD rebound to the, the, the championship season and play at that level? And, and so far the answer has been yes. Now I think the biggest thing of course is going to be health uh, as it has been the last three years with these two guys. And, um, you know, neither one of them has really been able to stay fully healthy over the last few years. But if you can get those two guys healthy, um, I, I think, you know, the, the closest thing might have been that, that 2021 season where we saw, despite being a seven seed, they had that 2-1 lead uh, over the Suns in round one and, you know, might have won that series had Anthony Davis stayed healthy. So um, I think that roster was definitely better than this year's roster, but that roster also had some issues with, with shooting and, and size and, um, I think you you already kind of seen a shift in, in, in the roster construction. So for me, um, you know, I think it's 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 tough to say like make it really deep playoff run just because the, you know they're going to have to go through the playing tournament most likely. Then they're going to be on the road in every series, and it's just you don't really see teams you know make the you know. There's a reason why se- seeding does matter. I mean, historically, if you just look at it, typically it's a top four seed makes the finals. It, it's very rare that a top four seed doesn't. So you know, home court advantage, all that stuff really matters. And I think, you know, the, the Lakers, they, I would be shocked if they made a finals run out of the playing tournament. But, sure. you know, I will say, like, with LeBron and AD, they have, a, they have a chance against anybody. And 
there's going to be a lot of series where they have the two best players on the floor. And no matter how you know good or bad your supporting cast is, you at least have a shot. And, and honestly, to me, that's the biggest reason why they should make a move is just because I think you have seen enough from LeBron and AD and some of these role guys where, you know, if you put the, the right, you know, add, add the right guy or two and, and kind of bolster some of the weaknesses, I do think that this is a group that no one's going to want to see come April. Yovan, what, what did you make of um, um, your coworker, Sam Amick, and kind of his exchange? Obviously, he has uh, the conversation with LeBron James, and LeBron did respond on Twitter. What, what did you make of that exchange? And really what I'm referring to more from anything else on that front is, you know, LeBron is, uh, whether he's going to say something directly, indirectly, LeBron obviously – We've heard him in postgames. He wants to win. He wants to compete. The guy's not doing this just to come hang out. Um, what did you make of some of that exchange? How do you kind of feel LeBron is looking at this Lakers team right now, the front office, and, and the position that they're in? Yeah, well, um, I, I think it's th- th- there's a level of nuance there um, whenever you're, you're kind of dissecting something like that where, um, you know, the, the, the way I look at it is LeBron didn't say he was – misquoted or it was off the record or like LeBron said what he said. And I think his issue was more of with the framing of, of the lack of patience. And I think he was more so saying like, or yeah. His, his vo- yeah, his voice and his tone maybe with some of the answers wasn't um, necessarily the, the way it was characterized on Twitter. And I think immediately you saw, I mean, the, the quotes went viral. Um, you know, I'm, I'm still seeing memes and different things kind of responding to the quotes. So like, when LeBron says something, it automatically makes national news. And I think for him, it was more so trying to clarify, like, I'm not frustrated. My, my patience isn't waning. But at the same time, if, if you just, you know, take what he said at face value, I mean, it, it's hard not to feel that way um, a, a little bit, right? And, uh, you know, especially I, I think the, the, the kicker quote of, of him just saying, you know, uh, you know, you guys shouldn't, you know, know what should be happening, like essentially him, uh, you know, co-signing, uh, the theory of like, yeah, I mean, we, we should be trading these picks. We we should be upgrading the roster. Mm. Um, and, you know, it took him, obviously, you know, it was a, kind of a back and forth exchange. And, um, you know, I, I think it, it took him till the end to, to kind of finally admit that. I, I think he didn't want to admit it on the record, but he, he said what he said and, and he didn't backtrack on that. It was more so, I think, the, the framing of it. And, and, and Sam Sweet, he, he said, you know, waning patience. And that was the, the part that um, LeBron took out. But that wasn't, you know, that wasn't a quote. So I, I think the fact that he, he didn't push, you know, I, I think people, some people took that as him just dismissing the entire story or, or dismissing mm. everything he said. And like, I didn't take it that way. I, I just took it. I think he was trying to kind of do some damage control on, on the back end of like, you know, th- this isn't a dire situation. I'm not, um, you know, holding the, the front office's feet to the fire necessarily. Um, but if you're asking me the truth, like, yeah, I want to win. I, I always want to get better. And we know with LeBron James led teams, uh, I know Brian Windhorst just wrote this story for ESPN. Like his teams have always traded first round picks. Le- LeBron has never been about the future. It's always about the present and, and what can I do now? And the, the fact of the matter is, you know, he signed that extension and um, you know, on the one hand, he, he lost some leveraging uh, you know, with, with the, with the Lakers and kind of being um, locked in and, and not being able to be traded this season. But on the other hand, I, I think, it, you know, he showed them a level of commitment and trust that, um, I think he's been expecting them to kind of show back with making a deal and, and upgrading the roster. So um, I think it's 
it's a nuanced conversation. I, I think it's, it's, you know, people like to make it black and white and, uh, you know, he said this or he said this and, or he meant this. And like, I think there, there's levels, you know, shades of gray to it, but um, I, I took it more as, as him kind of being more concerned with like the perception of it versus what he actually said. Cause he didn't say like, you know, Sam misquoted me or, or Sam you know, made sure. this up or whatever. Sure. Sometimes you see athletes say that, like he had more of an issue with, with the framing of the, the lack of patience. So uh, that, that that's, I guess my, my nuanced take on it. Yovan, great stuff, buddy. Thank you for the insight. Uh, fascinating what will happen here over the next few weeks or so, but it's good to see that the Lakers at least have um, stayed above water without Anthony Davis. So thank you for taking the time, buddy. Yes, sir. Anytime. All right, final thoughts coming up next. Stay right here. Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. All right, welcome back to Lakers Talk. Uh, quick shout-out here. Thank you to uh, Yovan Buha, always taking time to join us here on the show. Always appreciate his time and his insight on Lakers basketball. Um, Lakers Talk is presented by Valvoline Instant Oil Change, home of the 15-minute drive-through oil change. Visit SoCalOilChange.com for location and game-winning coupons off your next Valvoline Instant Oil Change. Thank you to their partnership. Always appreciate them being a part of the show. They do a lot of great stuff here on 710 ESPN. Um, okay, want to give some final thoughts here. So, this is what the Lakers got coming up. I want to actually just talk specifically about the schedule that the Lakers have coming up here. They got a five-game homestand right now. So the next five games for the Lakers will all be at Crypto.com. And some interesting matchups. You know, I keep waiting for the Lakers to go through a stretch where you're like, oh, okay, yeah, you know what, we got some W stacked up here. That hasn't really been the case. I feel like this entire season the stretches have been tough, and maybe that's just a compliment to – how the league right now, there's so much parity and that there's so many teams out there that uh, that can compete on a night-in, night-out basis. So here's where we are. The Lakers got Luka coming up on Thursday, the Dallas Mavericks. Now, if you guys remember that game against Dallas, um, this was a game, I'm trying to think here, I think it was the third quarter the Lakers gave up 51 points to the Dallas Mavericks. They were hanging at halftime. It was the Christmas game. And they gave up 51, and then that was a wrap. After that, you got the Philadelphia 76ers. So these are two teams that beat you, I want to say, in the month of December. The Philly game, if you guys remember, I don't know what was happening. Uh, Philly just completely collapsed. Lakers come all the way back and then actually have a chance. Austin Reed was at the free throw line to try to tie the game. He missed the last free throw. Lakers ended up with the possession after a turnover. Then AD got fouled. AD gets to the free throw line. He misses a free throw. So the game goes to overtime, and that was a wrap. Philly took over from there. So you got two teams right out the gate that you already lost to this year. One team in the Philadelphia 76ers that you will not play again. Dallas, you'll still have some more matchups later. So Dallas-Philly. Houston has the worst record in the Western Conference. Sacramento after that, a team that you've already played. This will be the final time the Lakers they lost the first two games, won that last one, obviously, what was that, on a Saturday night, 134 to 136. Uh, Dennis Schroeder hits a couple free throws. And then you got the Memphis Grizzlies, the team with the best record in the Western Conference. So four of your next five games is against some really good competition. And the good thing is, is that it's at Crypto, and the Lakers are 10-8 and eight at home, just 9-14 and 14 on the road. So there's some positivity there, right? You kind of just look at the situation that the Lakers are in. You're saying, okay, yes, there's tough matchups. There's great players like Luka, like Joel Embiid, 
uh, like John ja Morant. I mean, heck, even the Sacramento Kings, DeMontis Sabonis, and um, and uh, and De'Aaron Fox, we, we've seen a few times this year. Those are really nice players. So I, I think the competition for the Lakers, nothing's going to get easier, and you're probably going to continue playing all those games without Anthony Davis. So it's not going to get any easier. The competition's only going to get better. In the NBA overall right now, you know, I, I kind of take a look at the Eastern Conference and all the injuries, whether it's it's the East and the West. Kevin Durant injured right now for the Brooklyn Nets. Um, we know what's going on with Zion. He's out. Um, the Phoenix Suns, it seems like every player is out for them. Anthony Davis, his injuries that he's had with the Lakers. You got a lot of key players around the NBA that are either out or they've missed significant amount of time. Steph Curry came back uh, or comes back tonight. So um, guys kind of coming in and out of the lineup, but there hasn't really been a time. I know Boston's really good. I know Milwaukee, which is my my favorite to come out of the Eastern Conference before the season started. I know there's some really good teams out there, but I think for the most part, there's also a lot of parity in the NBA, specifically, specifically in the Western Conference. Um, okay, Laker fans, that's going to do it for us uh, tonight on uh, on Lakers Talk. I do want to say um, ESPN LA and the ESPN app, um, please go and you could get the app and you could listen to any Lakers show that we have. I'm also doing this thing. I want to make sure that this is a perfect platform to, to promote it. On YouTube right now, ESPN LA is putting up a lot of content, and I, I do something called Lakers Talk Daily. So Monday through Friday, I'm putting out content on YouTube that's going on ESPN LA on their YouTube channel. So go there if you could please subscribe. We'd greatly appreciate it. And we'll continue. They're probably six to eight minutes of Lakers content, but it's done on a daily basis. Um, that's it for us tonight. Thank you uh, to Michael Funches. Thank you to Laura Romo. Thank you to Mara Ruiz. I'll be back tomorrow morning with Travis Rogers starting at 10 a.m. LA, as always, have a great rest of your night.